Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I am Eric Erlinson, your host from lightninginsider.com, also the author of Lightning Strikes, the 2020 unbelievable commemorative run to a Stanley Cup championship that is available now. You can find it at triumphbooks.com. You can find it at Amazon. Or I'll do you one better. You can actually get a signed copy of the book that I will mail to you through the magic of Venmo. If you want to email me, Eric, at lightninginsider.com, that's E-R-I-K, at lightninginsider.com, I will sign and mail a book to you for $25. Take advantage of that. I've had plenty of people already reach out to me, so if you are interested in getting a signed copy of my book, just email me, eric, at lightninginsider.com. Of course, that was about the 2019-20 season, but we now have a 2020-21 season to talk about. But before we get to that, I do have some exciting news to share with everybody. There was a lot of discussions, a lot of back and forth, a lot of talk about money. No. No, the, the big surprise, no, not that the NHL is coming back. Greg Linnelli is going to join me weekly, semi-weekly, on a regular basis, on this podcast, the great Greg Lanelli from oh, Lightning Power Play, yes. Lightning Radio, pregame, postgame show host, intermission host. We are now going to do this podcast together, and I cannot be more thrilled. Greg, thank you so much. It's great to hear your voice again, my friend. Well, what an introduction. And I, I got to say, uh, our agents sat down at the table, and it was a pretty easy negotiation, let's face it. I mean, they were like, all right, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah. And your guy said, do you want to do it? And you said, eh, not really. So it took a little more convincing <laughs> on your end. But in all, in all kidding aside here, uh, very happy to be back doing a show with you. Uh, it's something we've been doing for a long time, even back in the day when 98.7 The Fan was in existence, and I'd have you come on wow. the show. So that's pretty long. You're still older than me, and that's never going to change, <laughs> although I did hit 40. So that's you know, I'm feeling it a little bit more. But um, I'm thrilled to do this uh, throughout E with you. It should be a lot of fun, as we always say, hashtag some good hockey talk and of course, the audience will be able to participate throughout asking us questions, and we'll be there every step of the way, and it's a lot of fun that hockey's finally back. I don't think you and I ever wavered that the season was in jeopardy. I think the last time we did a show together a couple of weeks ago, you know, on the surface, it looked like it was a little helter-skelter, and a lot of things still needed to be decided, and I think that might even still be the case, but... I think we both probably realized there was a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes, and they weren't going to lose 
another season and lose the revenue that comes with that again based off of what happened this past year with COVID and everything that went down there. So thrilled it's back. We're going to have something to talk about and you know, we'll get into this, I think, maybe a little later on in the show. I actually think a shortened season benefits a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning trying to do a repeat. And it's good for Lightning fans to see their team defend their championship because we didn't get a chance to see that back in 04, as you know. Yeah, yeah, all too well. Um, that team could have come back. Uh, basically, was going to be the same roster, but uh, the lockout hit. They lost Nikolai Abby Bullen. They lost Jason Cullimore, and uh, the team kind of they barely made the playoffs in uh, 06 to or the 05 06 season. But yeah, I, I think it is important. And you know, we had talked a couple weeks ago. There was no way there wasn't going to be a season. We didn't know what it was going to look like. We had ideas. Stuff had kind of been floated out there, but it was only really in the last six or seven days that stuff started to get. And you see this all the time, a lot of times in negotiations, that they, it started to become public because one side wanted to leak something to put pressure on the other, right? Uh, we saw that with the money issue, and then that was resolved, and that kind of went away, and then they went back behind the scenes, and then we heard about the provincial health officials in Canada, uh, that which is still something that has to be worked out as we sit here and talk right now. But there's too much at stake, and you see the NFL, and they've had some issues with some teams. The Baltimore Ravens especially had some issues because they weren't following some of the COVID protocols that were in place. But you've seen the NFL pull it off. You saw Major League Baseball pull it off in the summer. You're about to watch the NBA start. There was no way the NHL was going to sit on the sidelines while the other leagues were coming back to at least put some sort of a season together. And with the TV deal especially coming up at the end of this season – uh, with the expected um, higher uh, pay that, that these uh, networks are going to give the NHL, there was no way it wasn't going to happen. And we sit here now and we have officially, it is official pending the Canadian situation, but we're going to have a 56-game schedule. Camps are going to open on January 3rd. The teams that did not make the playoffs in the summer will open on the 31st. And the season's going to start January 13th. Greg, that's only a few weeks away. We're going to be ready. We're going to be ready to go. What is it? May 8th is the last regular season game, and then you get into the playoffs, and that should be done by mid-July. So certainly everything cranked and crammed together, and you're basically playing every other night. I mean, the way it, it kind of maps out, and it's a condensed schedule. You're going to see a lot of back-to-backs. The divisions, there's going to be four divisions. We had speculated, boy, even during the playoff run this past year, that they were probably going to have to go to some sort of bubble scenario or even maybe the Canadian teams playing in one division. That looks like it's going to happen. The North Division will have all the Canadian teams. Certainly they have more to work out, I think, than we do here in the States. But, you know, the Lightning are in the Central Division E, Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Detroit, Florida, Dallas, and Nashville. Um, everybody's going to play each team uh, in their division eight times. It's going to change a little bit up north with uh, the Canadian teams, but uh, that's how it, it's going to play out. And then the top four teams make the playoffs from each division, and then you go one, four, two, three, and then the top four teams from each division then will play in the semifinals for the Stanley Cup. So to me, uh, you know, the, the Lightning's division is interesting just from the standpoint that Dallas – 
is in it. I think that'll be a lot of fun, and that should be opening night. I don't think there should be any questions about it. They're going to try and accommodate the home teams so they can play in their buildings. I think the fact that the vaccine is out there and people were starting to take it, and quite honestly, I know Gary Bettman had mentioned this at the NHL. They're going to buy a, a bunch of the, uh, the vaccines to uh, get their players and staff uh, ready to go. Uh, to me, the sooner the fans get in the arena for these teams, the better. And I, I think that the fact that the players will be vaccinated is a huge step in that process. It'll be interesting to see how quickly that transpires because, as we know, gate revenue is such a big deal But in the NHL. I don't know if it's going to happen right away. Just reading some of the articles, it sounds like maybe not. But then gradually you're going to see what 25% capacity maybe in some of these mm -hmm. arenas. But I think, I think we're going to see fans sooner rather than later uh, for a lot of different reasons. But I think the vaccine obviously will put some teams or should put the players at ease a bit. It, it should. And it should put the owners at some ease a little bit yeah. too, because I, I think what we're going to see is this gradual increase of fans being allowed in. You're already seeing some markets, obviously here in Tampa, We've seen it already with the Raptors. They had their first preseason game at Amelie Arena. I believe the capacity they were selling was 3,200 tickets. I think the attendance turned out to be about 2,400, 2,500 in the building, but there were fans in the building for regular season games for the Raptors. They're allowing up to 3,800 right now. Yeah. Uh, and I think with the NHL starting in about three weeks, um, they might benefit the most from that because I think you're going to see that gradually increase. I would think... I would almost have to speculate, and this is just speculation, that by the time you get to the end of the regular season in May and you start the playoffs, you might see 50% or greater uh, attendance being allowed at these buildings. And I think that's huge, especially for the playoffs. That's the key, right? Like the regular season is the regular season, but any team will tell you they if they're going to turn a profit, it's going to come from playoff revenue. And if you can have 50 to 75%, who knows, maybe 100% capacity in buildings by the time you get to May and June, I think that's huge for the NHL. Uh, I think you're going to see momentum build for the NHL, and I think that's a good sign, especially as the vaccine does become more available, uh, hopefully by the spring to at least some of the general public. You know, We know that health uh, health officials and long-term nursing care home uh, home. Uh, Nursing homes are the ones at the front of this right now uh, with the Moderna vaccine now approved as well. Now you have two options that doubles the opportunity, that doubles the capacity uh, of what people are going to get. So I, I think by the time we get to the spring and it starts to become more readily available, you're going to start to see fans back in the building on a larger basis. And yeah, I think that's huge. I would agree, too. And I think one of the issues that we're going to see, too, are teams that play in cities slash states where lockdowns are a bigger deal. And I think you're seeing already out in California where they have the no contact rule in certain places with sports. That could be a little bit of an issue. I think the yep. Sharks had to move their camp somewhere else because of the, the certain rule in place where they typically practice. So I think I got to be honest, money does speak. And the fact that the vaccine is out there and being distributed, I think you're going to see a hard time. You're going to. You're going to have a hard sell to most NHL teams, probably every NHL team, that they're not going to be able to host games and get that gate revenue. Because as we know, this is about money. It was about money last year. I think the NHL was able to keep their head above water to a certain extent and salvage the season. But you can't have multiple seasons where you're just not making anything. And I, I know I'm... Uh, 
not that's not exactly what happened last year, obviously, but we know the revenue certainly took a big hit. To have another mm-hmm. year where that happens, that's a, a huge blow. Now, it does help that the expansion team next year, would they have that big fee coming in that you know will be distributed amongst all the NHL teams, so that will help. But the reality is fans in the stands, I think, is going to happen sooner rather than later for a lot of different reasons, and I think the NHL is, is going to be very excited when that does happen. Yeah, and about that expansion fee too. Like that doesn't even that doesn't count towards hockey related revenue. So the expansion fee, which was a five hundred and fifty million dollars, I think it was, yeah. uh, somewhere in that range, um, goes straight to the owners. It's divided up amongst the owners, and that's huge for the owners who are taking a hit, especially in some of these markets like Florida, like in Arizona. You know, smaller markets that. You know, we've, we've heard some owners say they would actually lose less money if they don't play. Uh, so that's going to be a big boost to to those markets and those franchises uh, during this time. Uh, the players won't see any of that, but, um, you know, they're with the cap and the salary cap uh, flat staying this year, there's no way that it's going to be a 50-50 split. But we, we know that the players are still going to make, I think, what, 70 percent uh, of their contracts are going to be paid. And, and uh, so they're going to get their their salaries are going to get their money, but this is going to be huge. I think for the ownership to be able to do that. And, and just, just so we know, uh, there are still issues that have to be worked out. We mentioned it, uh, especially the Canadian, the seven Canadian team division, which there's a lot of excitement for, I think from an entertainment standpoint, I think that's going to be good for the league to get those teams playing nine or 10 times a year because there's only seven teams as opposed to eight in the other divisions. Um, but nothing's set in stone. Um, there are some provincial health officials that are not on board with what the NHL wants to do in bringing these teams, uh, even though they're not crossing the border, they're staying within the Canadian border. Uh, they're not on board yet with bringing teams in. So until that gets ironed out, uh, still a little, little bit up in the air. Um, you know, there's talk that Vancouver might have to go somewhere else and play. There's even talk that Toronto and Ottawa and Ontario might have to find somewhere else to play. Um, we know that Manitoba has signed off on it. The one thing is though, is that we know that the likelihood as we had heard the potential of those seven teams having to come down to the States to play their season. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the more likely scenario is they find a way to get, uh, on board or at least enough on board to play this uh, Canadian division. Yeah. And then you mentioned San Jose. San Jose, we know Santa Clara is in lockdown. It's affected the San Francisco 49ers. They have to practice in Oakland and they have to play their games in Arizona. Uh, the Sharks are in the same boat. They have to, they're going to play their games in Arizona. And I believe they're going to open camp in Arizona as well. So there are still some logistical issues to have to deal with, but uh, we do know that there's going to be hockey, and I think that has yeah. to excite a lot of people when, especially as we turn the calendar and get the hell away from 2020, and we not that magic is going to happen in 2021. is going to be, you know, everything's going to turn to normal as soon as we hit January 1st. But it gives hope um, of something on the horizon that can give us something to look forward to. Yeah, and I'm going to make a not a bold prediction. I think once we get closer to the season starting in a couple of weeks, even if it takes maybe a week or two after the opening night on January 13th, you're going to see a lot of those cities, states, countries open up and say, "All right, you know what? Let's let's get these let's get these teams in here because I I just think it's too much of a too much of a it's a huge deal not only for the teams in the league, but for the people that are employed too. I mean, I, again, this comes down to money, this comes down to jobs. I think from the safety perspective, that vaccine I can't stress enough. That's all we heard about last year is, you know, once they get the vaccine, once they get the vaccine, well, the vaccine's there. And I think, 
a, a lot of a lot of teams now, whether it's Canada, um, now the United States, they're going to look at this and say, all right, we've got that security blanket a bit. Doesn't mean uh, everybody's going to be okay and, and not get COVID, but we know how to deal with it a little bit better now than we did before. We do have some safety precautions in place. I, I think it would almost be foolish for cities, states, again, Canada, to just continue to lock it down the way they would, knowing what we have now um, with the medical advances. And again, finances. It comes down to finances. And I, I just think they've made too much progress for some teams to be like, well, we can't plan our building. We need to go somewhere else. I think, my opinion, I, I don't think that's going to happen. If it is, then we'll come on the show and we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, you know, and and we we know that protocols, as long as they're adhered to, can work. Sure. Right? They can work. I, I mean, all we have to do is look here. You know, we know what the situation is in the state of Florida and, and the number of rising cases that we've had here in the last week or so. Let's look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have not had any sort of an issue. Mm -hmm. They haven't had a problem. Right? They've had a couple of guys go on this COVID nineteen. Um, list, but that wasn't because of contact that came with within the team. It was from outside contact, right? Um, it's it's kind of like my wife. My wife came in outside contact with somebody who did test positive, and she had to go in quarantine for a few days. And thankfully, she did test negative. But you know, those protocols work. They work. And as long as you know, as long as you adhere to them, and look, that's the reason why the Baltimore Ravens had so many issues because in the what was it, the the uh, strength coach didn't adhere mm -hmm. to it, and that's how you get a breakout. If you can adhere to the protocols, then you can pull this off from a team standpoint safely or as safe as possible. We saw it. It's not a bubble situation, but you know, even Major League Baseball, yeah, they had a couple of issues early on in the season. And then, of course, the Justin Turner situation at the end, the, the very, very end of the Major League ba uh, season. But you, it can be pulled off. And as long as everybody adheres to it, stays strict to it, and the NHL, I think, is stressing this already, have to stick to these protocols to pull this off to make it work for everybody, I think it can be done in a safe manner. And that's, that includes safety for the fans. I don't know if you read, Greg, the list of what's going on at Amelie Arena for events that are now back in there. Mm -hmm. The thousands of hand sanitizer stations, the selling the tickets in pods. I actually, we bought tickets for New Year's Eve to go watch the Raptors play the Knicks. I haven't been to an NBA game before, so I thought that was pretty cool. So nice. we're going to go watch that. Um, they're having UV lights, uh, I think, as you walk in. We know that the UV light can help for some sort of protection uh, in killing the virus uh, if it's on a surface. Uh, so they've put all these measures in to make it safe for fans as well. And as long as everybody wears the mask while you're inside, I think it can be pulled off without a problem. No doubt. And the biggest factor there, too, is the fans that go they're going to take on that risk and they're okay with that. And I think that's the other thing you have to keep in mind. You know, we talk about these teams and these players. The one thing you have to always recognize too, is that these are in shape elite athletes and the chances of them coming down fatally. If they do get COVID very, very slim. So uh, you're right. The protocol is in place. We saw it with the bubble this last year and it worked really, really well. But you also have to acknowledge that, you know, these players, you know, if they do get it, it's not it's not anything that's going to curtail their career or their season. You may have that one case that does. But for the most part, you're not talking about 75 year old people who are overweight either, which, the, you know, this this virus, you know, affects 
um, in a more lethal way. These are elite players who keep themselves in shape. And, you know, now again, you throw the vaccine in. I think these fans that go, do we know if they have to sign some sort of waiver yet? Because I would think that's probably part of the process. But I think every team across the board, you put in these protocols in place. What you do is you try and prevent any type of lawsuit your way. Do everything you can within reason to feel safe, to make people feel safe. And then I think, you know, if if the fans want to sign a waiver or you just look at it and say, if you're going to come to a game, you have to understand that's on you um, to take on that risk because we're going to do everything we can as a team and as an organization to make you feel safe. I think as long as there's that understanding and you're pretty transparent about it, I don't see what the problem is. You know, it's kind of like Disney, right? I mean, you know that we go to Disney quite a bit. I know you go there from time to time. I don't know if you've gone... Uh, you know, since they reopened, but it's everywhere, right? Like they have warnings up. This is a warning. You're here at your own risk. Understand that there's nothing we can do to control it. We've put in plenty of safety measures Mm -hmm. to make it feel, to make it as safe as possible. And they're, they're pretty good about making sure people wear their masks while they're in the park. So you can put these protocols in place. It's just, you have to be strict and adhere to them. So I I think it can be pulled off. I think it can be done. And I think we're all going to benefit from it, uh, on multiple levels, um, the first one being that we get our sport back. And I think that's what a lot of us are, are really looking forward to. Uh, on that front, you mentioned the, the realigned divisions and the division that Tampa Bay is in, get used to seeing the National Predators a lot more than you used to, the Chicago Blackhawks, the Dallas Stars. I'm looking at this division, Greg, and I see a path for Tampa Bay to get to the conference finals or the final four. It's not conference finals. It'll yeah. be the final four this year. With – I don't want to say with with ease because it's it's a tough sport. It's going to be a sprint. It's not a marathon that we're usually used to. But I'm looking at the the, the depth of this division. Tampa Bay should be the heavy favorites to win this division. Yeah, and listen, understand, folks. You're going to hear coaches and players. They're going to look at this. It's a new season. Every game is tough, and we can't take anything for granted. We're playing back to the games. We acknowledge that. We understand that. We are looking at this right now before training camp hits and really before we break down everybody's roster because there have been some changes. When I look at the Central Division, let's call it the Division, Central Division, I agree with you. I mean, I think you could probably make the case Dallas and Carolina might be the toughest teams in that division. Again, not to take anything away from Chicago and Columbus. Florida always plays Tampa Bay well. I think Nashville's an interesting team, but... I mean, the ones that jump out for me are Carolina because I think they typically play the Lightning pretty well, and they've got a good team for sure. They, they play a, a, a style that um, can be tough to play against for sure. And I think Dallas, obviously, with what happens last year in the Stanley Cup Final, which, again, I, I thought Tampa Bay clearly was the better team from start to finish. That showed. But Dallas, they did some things there that you know made you realize, yeah, they deserve to be in the Stanley Cup Final. I look at the Central Division. Factor in the Tampa Bay is playing a 56-game schedule. Obviously, everybody else is as well, but they're not playing the full 82. One, you're not going to have maybe the wear and tear right at the start, or towards the end, I should say. But every game is going to be meaningful. And for a team that's trying to win back-to-backs, as we know, the first couple of months, even when Tampa Bay didn't win the Stanley Cup coming off a year where they did very well, sometimes that next year, it takes a while for a team to get going. 
56 games, I think, is the perfect schedule, actually, for the NHL. And we know they, they won't stay with that because of revenue and, and everything that, that goes into that. But for a team like the Lightning who's trying to repeat, 56 games, every game means something, and you have that division, I don't know where they're going to end up. I feel pretty good about them making the playoffs and having at least as good a shot as anyone trying to repeat for a championship. Absolutely. And and that's still, as we sit here and talk, we don't know what changes are, because we know changes are going to have to be made. Tyler Johnson is still kind of up in the air and what's going to happen there. But, you know, the clock is ticking on what Julian Breezeball has to do. But no matter what moves he has to make, this is still a talented team. They still have the best goalie in the world. They still have arguably the best defenseman in the world. Uh, you've got a Brayden Point. You've got a Nikita Kucherov. You've got a Steven Stamkos. You've got an Anthony Sorelli who will be signed before we get to training camp. Um, you know, so uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm I look at this division. I mean, you've got eight games against Detroit. I mean, pencil in. Well, there's a, there's a possibility of 16 points there. Pencil in 10 right there. That's a quarter of your season against Detroit. I mean, I don't care what changes Steve Eisenman makes. They're not going to be a team that's going to compete. Um, you know, so you get to face them eight times. The Blackhawks are not the Blackhawks from 2015. Um, you know, that's a, that's a game, you know, a, a, a consistent opponent that you should get some points from. Um, you know, so in Nashville, Nashville is not the same Nashville. Pecorine is not the same Pecorine. In fact, he, he lost his starting job uh, to UC Soros. Uh, for the Predators, uh, I just I just look at this division of all the realignments. This is from top to bottom, from one to eight is probably the weakest. And and if you're a Lightning fan, you don't have to face the Bo- you don't have to face the Boston Bruins at all. Oh. You don't have to face the Philadelphia Flyers at all because I think the Flyers are a team that's coming on. You don't have to face Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals at all. I mean, these are teams you don't have to face the Toronto Maple Leafs at all. You know, these are teams that are good, good quality teams. That division, and what are they calling that? They're calling that the East. That division, I mean, only four of those teams are going to make it. I mean, that is going to be a tough, tough division. I had my my dad and my brother both texted me. We were on a a text, you know, uh, exchange, and they both said, boy, the Penguins are in a brutal schedule. (laughs) Real division, <laughs> and you know, you look at it from that perspective. Of course, everybody knows my background I'm from Pittsburgh, so I, I keep an eye on what they're doing. They may not make the playoffs. Yeah, think about that. Since Sidney yeah. Crosby entered the league, they've made the playoffs every year, or maybe their first year they didn't. The second year, he's he was in the league, they made the playoffs, and from there, it's it's basically been you know competing or, or trying to compete for a Stanley Cup along with a couple of other teams. But Boston's a good team. Buffalo's an improving team. The Islanders are a solid team to play against. The Rangers are an up-and-coming team. Philadelphia has been there in Washington. So you could, you probably could have two or three teams that don't make the top four in that division be considered playoff teams. Yeah, that That's how good that division is going to be. And this is where the 56-game schedule, I think, really becomes intriguing. Because right off the bat, you're gonna have I don't wanna I don't wanna be hyperbolic and say playoff like atmosphere during game one. But especially for these teams that didn't do anything last year in the playoffs and have been sitting for a while, they are gonna be ready to go. Yeah. And for, you know, teams like the Rangers and the Islanders, I think, and the Flyers, you know, teams that haven't 
won anything uh, over the last few years that you know are teams that are going to be competing you would think for a playoff spot and, and possibly Stanley Cup they're going to want to get off to a good start that's going to make for some very competitive games early on then you factor in these teams are going to be playing each other eight times uh, this season it's going to get nasty it's going to get ugly but it's going to be intense and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch how would you like to be the Buffalo Sabres a team that should be on the rise. They just missed out on getting into the bubble tournament this summer because they lost that last game to the Montreal Canadiens and that flip-flopped them in the standings. You go out and you sign Taylor Hall. There's excitement. Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall playing together. And then you see the realigned divisions, and you're like, what in the world are we up against here? The, the, the chance of Buffalo making the playoffs in the division, they had a better chance in the Atlantic division as it was. There's no way Buffalo is going to be able to make the playoffs in, in that scenario. I mean, that's a that's a market that's starving for their team to get to the playoffs. We see it every year with the television ratings and how crazy that fan base is. We, we've had plenty of discussions with our friend Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News and how hungry that, that town is for the Sabres to do something. You turn around, you, you, you so much excitement, you get Taylor Hall. Yeah, but you got to play Boston eight times. You have to play the Penguins eight times. You have to play the Flyers eight times, the Capitals eight times. Good luck with that, Buffalo. Well, and uh, you know, hopefully we don't have to have our annual one month into the season asking Mike Harrington, hey, Buffalo's off to a really good start. You think <laughs> this is the year? Because I feel like the last three years it's been like that. Again, it might be a little bit different this year. We don't know how these teams are going to play out. Some teams might come out of the gates, and they really may adapt well to a, a shortened season knowing that every game means something. You may have some other teams that stumble. It takes them a little bit to get going because some of these teams, not many, but a few haven't played for quite some time. I mean, by the time January 13th rolls around, you could almost make the case that, you know, there's some teams that haven't played for 10 months. Yep. 10 months <laughs> of mean, the day. 10 yeah, months of the day. And which, no preseason games. Which, by the way, I don't quite understand. I'm, I'm going to quibble a bit with the NHL. I'm not sure why the teams that didn't make the playoffs get a chance to start earlier than the ones that did. I mean, these these teams collectively have been off so long just make them start at the same time. I'm not sure if four days really makes a difference. So maybe I'm pulling Harris here a little bit, but to me that that didn't make a lot of sense because I feel like this whole year, even though the teams that did make the playoffs, you were dealing with a lot of uncertainty and you were off the ice for quite some time to begin with anyway. So I would say start everybody at the same time, but that's, that's just me uh, probably nitpicking. But I think this prevents us from looking at Buffalo and saying, boy, you know, that first uh, that first month in November, they've played really, really well. They're going to have to play well for an extended period of time if they want to even sniff getting into the playoffs. And in that division, as I said before, Pittsburgh might not even make the playoffs in that division. That's how crazy that is. But getting back to the Lightning, again, it's hard to repeat. We acknowledge that. But if any team can, with the roster that the Lightning, for the most part, have in place... Shortened season, which to me prevents going through those lulls of an 82-game season. And the division, so that's three things. That plays into their favor, and I, I like their chances at least competing and, and going pretty far, and we'll kind of see how that plays out this year. I'll give you one more. The extended time off that normally you wouldn't get. Normally yeah. the Stanley Cup is awarded second week of June. And training camp starts the second week of September. It's that two and a half months time off. Yeah. 
Lightning won the Stanley Cup on September 30th. So you're looking at almost three and a half months of rest and recovery to get ready. And times are different. I get it. But that's an extra month of time to recover from, you know, let's let's think of a guy like Braden Point, who we know was banged up towards the end of the playoffs. You know, let's think of Steven Stamkos, who had the surgery a week after they won the Stanley Cup. That is an extra month of time for those guys to get their body a little bit more ready for what's not even going to be an 82-game season. It's going to be a 56-game season. So that factors into it as well, where they've got more time off than any other team that had won a Stanley Cup before, except for that 0405 team, but that's a no different doubt. story. Um, you know, so that's another factor that favors into their uh, opportunity to become a team that repeats, uh, which is not easy. You know, the, there's a reason that the Penguins are the only team that's done it since the early 90s because it's, it's, it's not easy to do. Uh, but with this roster the Lightning have, I, I think they're more than capable of doing it. Um, I want to bring up with you to this Canadian division thing because there's a lot of excitement around it. And like I said earlier, from an entertainment standpoint, I think it will be fun. I mean, you're going to get the Battle of Alberta potentially 10 times this year and even more if those two teams face off in the playoffs because everything is divisional you are only playing your division opponents that limits your travel that limits the interaction amongst teams uh it cuts costs which i think is a huge thing for these for these franchises and for these teams to cut down on travel costs as well but from a canadian standpoint it's going to be fun to watch i'm not a huge i'm not as huge of a fan of it as many people are and the reason I say that is because, you know, I've spent time in Canada. I've seen the way the Canadian media treats this, the, the Canadian franchises, all seven of them. If all they're doing is playing each other all year, I think Canada ignores the other 24 teams. And I don't think that's good for the league. You think Canada collectively, from a, a news perspective, just focuses yes. on what they're doing? Yes. Well, they're Canadians. Of course they are. Yeah, look, and, and I get it. You know, I, I get it. You're, you, there's a lot of excitement around the Canadian teams, but like, is anybody going to pay attention if uh, Sasha Barkov has an MVP type year for the Florida Panthers? Is anybody north of the border going to pay attention to that? No, they're going to wonder about who's the fourth line center for the Ottawa Senators. That you know, that's an interesting perspective. That may happen, although, I mean, if if you're the league and if you're the scribes who cover the NHL from a national perspective. You can't be that close-minded. You can't. But be you're that not like like from a television perspective. All you're gonna see in Canada are Canadian teams. You're not gonna watch a Wednesday a matchup point. between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Chicago Blackhawks. It's not gonna be shown on Canadian television. So the only access you have, and certainly the center ice package, and you know there are ways to certainly watch out of market games. Yeah. But in Canada. It, Everything TSN shows, everything CBC and Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada shows, Canada. it's going to be all about Canada. Yeah. And I don't think that's good for the league as a whole. You know what? I don't have a strong opinion about that. I think it's a good point by you. I don't know if that moves the needle too much in terms of ratings long-term effect with the league. But I I see your point. And it, it's, it's an interesting one because I think they're going to obviously gravitate towards their own. And are we going to miss out on some stories that's going on in the league? We aren't. But to your point, the Canadians may. And, and maybe that's not necessarily great for the league in general. The good news is, E, this is only for one year. So we can kind of get hopefully. back to... Yeah, hopefully. We can get back to some normalcy, whatever that means, in a couple of years. But I, I think you have a point. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to quantify you know, the effect of that. 
Um, to your point, you gave the example of Barkov. You know, is anybody going to be recognizing his talents that's, you know, from a Canadian city? I, I would hope they would. I would hope they would. And I, I get what you're saying. They're only going to be showing games in Canada f with Canadian teams. I, I mean, I, I think you're, you're onto something there. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to quantify that yet. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. And I'm curious to see the TV schedule. You know, like I, like I said, Sportsnet and TSN, I can't see them showing too many games that are going to take place with the other divisions because yeah. it's Canada and they're going to want to inflate their ratings. Look, the ra their ratings are going to be as good as they've ever been. And maybe that, maybe from a league so, standpoint, that jacks up the price on what the next contract's going to look like up there. I'm curious to see if NBC or, um, you know, even in ESPN Plus, if anybody has ESPN Plus, shows Canadian games. I'm I'm curious to see. I don't know. Well, like, we don't have a schedule yet. Uh, schedule is supposed to be released yeah. sometime soon. Uh, I think when it is released, you're going to see like t two games against the same opponent in the same city, um, potentially in back-to-back -back nights, maybe on every other night uh, in that situation. Uh, but I'm curious to see if NBC are we going to are we going to be able to watch when Toronto plays Edmonton. Because we're not going to get to watch Connor McDavid this year. We're not going to watch Austin Matthews this year because the Lightning aren't going to play him. So you know, they're, you're, the exposure to some of the, the game's greatest star, Sidney Crosby. The Lightning aren't going to see Sidney Crosby this year. Alex Ovechkin. So the biggest, some yeah. of the biggest stars in the league, you're not going to get exposure to this year. You're going to be limited within your division. I'm really curious how the TV schedule is going to look like. I wonder if they'll make certain concessions with the TV networks, being able to watch the games that you want to watch, or maybe the packages are a little less expensive than they typically would to get more eyeballs on certain players. Because you do bring up a good point. I mean, you want to see the star players whenever you get a chance outside of your own team playing them. And if you can't see Ovechkin, McDavid, and Crosby as much as you would like, or even an Austin Matthews because they're not playing in the same division or they're in a Canadian market and they're only playing Canadian teams, does that does that take away the season for you? I, I guess that would be an interesting question from a fan perspective. E. Does that take away the excitement of the upcoming season? My guess is no, but... I think there are going to be certain people out there who are like, "All right, you know what? I'm I'm kind of sick and tired of watching these Canadian teams. Can I watch? <laughs> can I watch the Lightning play the Dallas Stars on opening night? I'm not saying that's going to happen. The thing too is, I haven't seen it. E, I'm assuming it's not on. But are we done with the outdoor games this year? Because you know, outdoors, it, it would seem like that would make some sense. Obviously, the you know, the stadium series, I'm, I'm assuming that's all out because the league probably yeah. had to just concentrate on getting these teams playing indoors. But I'm curious if that, because that was always a big sell. And you play in a big arena, you could probably fit more people in there um, in addition to social distancing if that's something that they still wanted to do. Have you seen anything on that? I haven't seen anything lately, but... Uh, it was reported that there were a few teams that were exploring the possibility of playing outdoors, including the Florida Panthers, which I'm really curious the details uh, of what that might look like. But to me, that makes a ton of sense. And you brought it up, getting more people in. Because let's face it, if, if you're the Red Wings and you can play um, at the University of Michigan, and I don't know what the situation is in, in Michigan and if they allow fans, I don't, I don't know. But if you could play an outdoor game, and the capacities even at twenty percent, well, twenty percent of a hundred thousand is a pretty good number. 
it's probably a bigger number than you could fit in Little Caesars Arena. And I don't, again, I don't know the capacity of Little Caesars Arena off the top of my head, but most arenas are between seventeen and twenty thousand. You could get people into the into these uh, outdoor venues. So you want to talk about a way about trying to bring back some revenue? It's a lot to put on, and it, you know, there it, it takes a huge group of people to put these outdoor games on, and they wouldn't be the typical outdoor games. You're not going to have all the fanfare. You're not going to have all the pre-production, all that stuff. Basically, you just need a sheet of ice. You need a way to televise the game and a way to get people in the band. So it, it limits on what you would have to put out to get these venues to work. I think that's something that the league should explore because you it would be it would be used multiple times, um, especially in the northern markets. Uh, I, I think that that's a great way to kind of look at it and bring in some more revenue to bring in some ticket sales. If you can bring in, you know, 25,000 people in a 100,000-seat arena, that's a pretty good number. That's a pretty good number to help some of the revenues. I'm curious to see if that comes up because it hasn't been discussed much here in the last couple of weeks since it was first reported. Uh, we haven't heard much more about it. I wonder if we'll start to hear a little bit more about that now. So you're saying it was a great idea? It was a great idea. <laughs> Let me write this and down. I, December 10th <laughs> is my first great moment on this show, and I, I'm honored to do it before the new year. Well, you know, it, it, to me it made a lot of sense just because as we were talking out loud about visibility and getting fans in the stands. We know that the outdoor games have been a big deal for the NHL, and not only, you know, on New Year's Eve, but we've started to see, I mean, I've lost counts. I mean, it kind of trickles beyond January 1st, where you have six or seven other stadium series games going on, and some would say it's too much. I I think that's a fair point. Um, You know, here in Tampa Bay, I think we're starving for one. And I think that would be a lot of fun for the Lightning just to first off to participate in one, but to host one if that's even possible. But I've got to think, you know, you and I had been talking about this before when the shutdown occurred and there was still talk, is the season going to come back? And you and I, I remember going on the airwaves and we would interview guests and you and I were coming up with creative ways the league could try and bring in fans or create revenue outside the box thinking i actually think this is one of those moments and i'm going to go a step further and i feel like it might have been talked a bit i'm not sure so you will let me know because your your memory is very good i actually think having sponsors sponsorships on the jerseys this year makes sense yep you want to make up some revenue Stadium series, outdoor games, if you can, if it's feasible, particularly if you're playing. So if Toronto's playing Edmonton back-to-back, maybe have that be a stadium series. Bring as many fans as possible within reason. Again, if you have a um, 70,000 stadium and you can maybe bring in 30,000, why not? But I also think an easy one, get those sponsorships on those jerseys this year. And if it, because I feel like organizations and, and leagues and sports leagues have been talking about this E, I'd like to see the NHL just go all in and do it. Again, recoup some of the money that you lost last year if you can. Well, we know that they're, they're going to allow ads on helmets. Good. That has already been approved. Uh, so you can sell some stickers on the helmets. Uh, the jersey has not been approved. For whatever reason, the jerseys are like sacred ground. And like we see it in Europe, I mean, European teams sell out. I mean, some of the soccer teams, like the company logo is on the front of the jersey. And I'm not saying that you want to replace, you know, because there's so much talk about the crest and, and what that means. I'm not saying you have to replace that, but why couldn't there be an ad somewhere? You know, why couldn't it be on the back somewhere? 
you know, something like that. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think this was the year to try and explore that opportunity. Um, you know, especially for some of these markets that are looking for ways to bring in additional revenue, the helmets will help. Um, but certainly you would get a lot more revenue coming in if they were on the jerseys. And I, I don't know why it's such sacred ground in North American sports. Uh, maybe not so much in MLS because it's just, it's rooted in soccer and that's a different animal altogether. But European hockey teams, I mean, have you ever looked at the ice surface on a European ho- hockey rink? There's ads all over the place. Yeah. There's ads on the jerseys all over the place. Uh, and I'm not saying you have to go crazy and make it a huge collage of, of different, you know, ads and, you know, built in with the crest on it too. But why not this year? I, I mean, the practice jerseys have it. You know, the practice jersey has the crest, but up on the up on the left hand, you know, up near the left shoulder, there's a, a patch for, you know, whoever is sponsoring the, the practice jerseys. I, I'm with you. I think that's a great way to bring in some revenue. You know, let's let's get beyond tradition here. This is about saving a league and in many ways, bringing back some financial stability. It doesn't mean you have to do this every year, but these are unusual times. I don't think fans will be annoyed with seeing sponsors on the jerseys. In fact, I get more annoyed seeing these alternate jerseys being displayed on game nights anyway. So if you put a sponsorship on those jerseys to make them a little bit better-y, I'm okay with that. I mean, let's let's not make it seem like these jerseys that have evolved over the last 15, 20 years the teams have been wearing have been great on the eyes. <laughs> you know, go back and look at some of the Islanders' jerseys that we've seen <laughs> over the years. I mean, those things are just putrid. I think you do what you have to do. And like all of us during this pandemic, you did what you had to do to survive, whether it was picking up an extra job, whether it was cutting cable, whether it was doing this because, you know, you weren't sure – what the future was going to hold. If you're the NHL, you don't have to worry about the optics, so to speak. You're coming back. You're playing. You're going to get vaccinated. The players most likely are going to be safe, and your frontline workers should be safe. If you find ways, some creative ways, to bring in some more money, I say this year you do it. And to me, the two easiest things that you can you can do that you have control is multiple sponsors on your game day jerseys, and you do some stadium series. From there, let's let's see what happens. But I, I've got to think that has to be being discussed, right? That That's being discussed as we speak. It has to be. It, there's no way it wasn't brought up at some point during the Board of, Gen, uh, Board of Governors meetings yesterday. There's no way. Like We're recording on Monday, so on Sunday when the Board of Governors met. There's no way that wasn't brought up. Uh, it was if it, if it was brought up, it certainly wasn't leaked out. But there's no way somebody much smarter than both – well, at least smarter than me – um, you know, came up with this idea. There's no way that didn't happen. Um, and especially this year, you've got these reverse retros that are going to be used. That's a perfect opportunity, right? If you're only if they're old, if those jerseys are only going to be used in certain games, why not put an ad on that? You know, that, that way it's still sort of a novelty, but it's not overtaking the the yeah. main jersey. You know, so maybe put something on there. And I'm curious to see too. We saw this in the playoffs. You saw more ads on the ice. You know, in the corners there, um, in both Toronto and Edmonton, I'm curious if the individual teams now will also be able to utilize that part of the ice to put in additional ads. Because what's that mean? Additional revenue. That's what this season's all about. Keep in mind, this season is salvaging as much revenue as possible for sure. But this is setting up to make sure next year is is sound and ready to yep. go. And I think again, find some creative ways to get people in the stands. Find some creative ways to make more money if you can. 
We know things are going to be a little bit different this year. I actually think it's going to be an exciting season because, again, 56 games, to me, that's the biggest roadblock in a lot of these sports leagues. You can make the case that baseball is too long, that basketball is too long. You condense the schedule. You make every game somewhat competitive. I, I think the NHL has another opportunity here to, to get it right, and um, it, it should be a lot of fun. So they need to take advantage as much as possible financially to make it happen. Yep, and it's all going to come at us very, very fast as we've been sitting around waiting for a couple of months since Lottie won the Stanley Cup. What's next season going to look like? What season's next season going to look like? We now know, and it's going to come fast. Some camps are going to open up New Year's Eve. Other camps are going to open up just after New Year's Day. The season is here, January the 13th. Lots to look forward to, a lot to get ready for. We know the Lightning are going to have to make some moves here in the next couple of weeks. The clock is ticking, uh, but Greg... This was fun to be back with you again. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad that uh, we're going to be able to do this on a regular basis. I, I really enjoy all the shows that we've ever done. I've told you before how much I've really enjoyed working with you through the years. And uh, now, at least in some capacity, we don't know what next season is going to look like from a radio standpoint. Um, but people we'll will be other. able to at least catch us together for the forthcoming future. We'll have each other. And that's <laughs> That's just don't let your wife or my wife hear us saying that. Like, we're, we're all Fortunately, my that. door is closed as I'm recording this. <laughs> well, that's that's smart uh, on your. No, but I, I'm excited. I'm excited and, and, about this. Go ahead. I was gonna say I, I feel confident that neither your wife nor my wife will listen to this anyway. That's it. What? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's absolutely no doubt about that. But I, I'm excited to get back uh, doing a show with UE, and uh, I think we bring uh, some good perspectives, some good topics. We're gonna be interacting with the fans as you do always. Uh, getting some questions in. So if people have some questions right now, hit us up on Twitter and uh, we'll certainly get them next time we are on the airwaves. And uh, that'll mean we're we're getting closer to opening night, which would be a lot of fun. Yep, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't remind people the World Juniors start this week. It actually starts Christmas Day. There are only two Lightning players taking part in the tournament this year. Goaltender Hugo Alnafoot uh, plays for Sweden, and then forward Maxim Groshev, who was a 2020 draft pick, will play for Team Russia. So those are the only two Lightning prospects that are taking part in the World Juniors. But they start Christmas Day, and the NHL so, Network is, is airing every single game. So you have an opportunity at least to catch a couple of Lightning prospects in action. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap up the show, hey, Greg, e. again. Thanks. Yep. Hey, e, I got some breaking news. Now, again, we're recording this in the morning, so keep that in mind for those who are listening to this uh, later today. This is from Elliot Friedman, and I'm sure we'll get more clarity as this goes, e, but we probably should just address it now. He says the Tampa Bay's cap issues may be solved by long-term injury reserve. He says there's word Nikita Kucherov is battling an injury that may keep him out a while. No comment from the team or the agent, so details are sketchy. But clarity expected this week. If unable to play, it will clear room for the Lightning. Well, now, that changes How a few things, that? doesn't it? How about yeah. That? Uh, I wonder if this was an injury that happened during training. You know, we've seen plenty of pictures of Nikita Kucherov, certainly from the <coughs> boat parade. Um <laughs> And, and the fun that he had for that. Uh, but, you know, we've seen him, uh, pictures of him with uh, some time with the cup and, you know, his uh, Stanley Cup cake that somebody made for him as well. So uh, I'm curious if this is something that happened during uh, training during the offseason. That's interesting. Um, 
yeah, I don't know how to react to that because we're just kind of getting news. word yeah, of I mean, it. It's, it's just news. We don't want to speculate on what the injury is. Who knows what it could be? I think the interesting there, at least in the short term, is what the Lightning may or may not do now with clearing some cap space. I mean, it, it was pretty widely accepted that they were going to have to do something here pretty quickly once they announced the season was underway. And um, obviously, you do not want it. I, I don't care... I don't care if you were able to keep everybody on that roster that was potentially being lost because of some cap issues. You don't want that to come to the expense of Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> I mean, that's no, just... he's too important. Right. So we'll know more as we go. And look, if that means you and I have to hop on and, and do a show here in a couple of days, we will to um, get some reaction. But again, that was from Elliot Friedman. When he typically tweets something out, he's got some pretty hardcore evidence to back that up. Again, he's saying that their cap issues may be solved by long-term injury reserve. E, I don't know if you can get into LTIR, how long that is, how long a player has to be on that, but uh, he says Kucherov is battling an injury that may keep him out a while. That's all we know, and that's all we're reporting right now. Yeah, so how LTI works, it, it's not as straightforward as he goes on LTI, you get that cap benefit. That's a lot of cap space, right? That's $8.5 million, $9.5 million dollars. Uh, against the cap, but that's if he was gone for the entire year. Let's hope that's not the case, um, you know, but this is a, a shortened season, so that changes, you know, when we talk about what the full season would look like. There are, and I don't know the the intricacies of it, but when the rosters are released for the opening day, you see teams that are going to utilize LTI with some odd-looking roster moves because they have to push themselves up against the max cap as close as possible to be able to utilize as much space of that as they can. Because remember last year, they had to trade Ryan Callahan. Well, you know, this was a situation. Yeah, you could have put Ryan Callahan on LTI and open up some cap space that way, but they actually created more cap space by sending Callahan to Ottawa, taking Mike Condon's contract back in return uh, even, you know, the buried cap hit. Uh, so with LTI, yeah, you would get some relief. But the other thing is, too, is that if he doesn't miss the entire year, that doesn't get you out of the boat. Like It buys you time to have to make other moves. But once he's ready to play, you have to have the cap space to be able to bring him back as well. So, you know, we saw this a couple of years ago with Patrick Kane. Remember, he broke his collarbone right towards the end of the regular season for Chicago. And there was talk that he was ready to come back a couple of weeks before yeah. the season. But if they did, they wouldn't be cap compliant at that time. So they just held them out until the playoffs because there's no salary cap in the playoffs. So you can see how it works there. So if Kucherov, okay, if he misses significant time, that's one thing. But if he's come back and he's ready to play at some point during this truncated season, you still have to have the cap space to be able to bring him in. So it's it would only be a short-term solution if he's not able to start the it season. It delays the inevitable, I think is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, uh, that's Pierre, all it does, yeah. Pierre Lebrun now, he is saying, he's he uh, just tweeted this out. Again, we're recording this around 1030. He said, told that Kucherov got a hip shot last week. Now apparently it's about seeing how he reacts to it and feels. If he's fine, then it's all good. But if he feels discomfort, could be LTIR. We shall see. So he put in a little bit more context there, Elliot Friedman's previous information. And and we know from uh, Braden Point, hips don't lie. <laughs> yes. You, you don't want hip issues. <laughs> All right, Shakira. As a player. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> that was pretty good, though, on your end. Like yeah, you, you, you definitely don't want to have... Um, you know, hip issues and, and dealing with hip issues because they not only do you obviously you need them to skate. There's a lot of your power comes from that part of your body, but the amount of hits you take, 
against the walls. You know, uh, how many times are you hit sideways and your hip is against the boards? It's, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of issues there. If, if in fact, uh, it tends, uh, does to be happen. Like I have no reason to doubt either Elliot or Pierre. I mean, they're two of the best in the business. So they are as tapped in as anybody yep. in this league. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a game changer. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to discuss more of that as more becomes available. We will report the news when we get it. Yep. Good first so. starty. Good first start. Yeah. Enjoy good. It. Good fun. Good clean fun. Um, try and keep it as clean as possible uh, here <laughs> as much as we can, uh, even with Shakira on board. Um, Greg, as I said earlier, uh, thanks so much for this. I look forward to our next one. Uh, folks, don't forget, uh, you can get a copy of my book, a signed copy of my book, Lightning Strikes. Uh, I will send it to you for $25. Email me, eric, at lightninginsider.com. We'll start with questions with our next episode. I'll put the word out to get people uh, involved in that end again, as we tend to do. That's always a good good part of the show. I really enjoy the fan interaction. So until our next episode, I am Eric Romanson. He is Greg Lanelli. We'll see you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.